Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. With Mario being the icon he is, Nintendo has found it very lucrative to shove Mario into all kinds of situations, namely different sporting events. Each of the Mario spin-offs has a different place in the hierarchy, with favor going towards the ones that could be played at parties. Paper Mario stays in its niche, and Dr. Mario is good for oh, he doesn't have a license jokes, while the Mario parties and the Mario sports are more accepted by a wider audience. And of the sports, not all of them are made equally. Mario sports games have three kings, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, and by far the biggest of all, Mario Kart. Everyone knows what Mario Kart is, it's so popular and prolific, it's debatable if it even counts as a Mario sport, at least to me. I I kind of see it as its own thing now. Ever since Super Nintendo, every Nintendo console and handheld has had its own iteration of Mario Kart. Even some of the arcades get in on the action with Mario Kart GP. Now we have Mario Kart on our phones! It's a reliable game for parties and get-togethers. Everyone can pick it up and play it. There's a bit of skill involved, but for the most part, you're at the whims of whatever chaos is brewing on the racetrack. The series would go on and wax in popularity, and I think it was around the time of Mario Kart Wii when the series went from just being a persistent Mario spin-off to truly coming into its own as a moment that defines the current generation. From that moment on... Whenever Nintendo would toss out a Mario Kart, they could rest easy for the remainder of that fiscal year. Each Mario Kart game would capitalize on the previous one, expanding on different ideas introduced. The roster would expand, new items would get added, retro racetracks would crop up and get makeovers. I think Mario Kart's boldest step forward, however, would be... Mario Kart 7. Swappable cart parts, coins coming back and getting reworked, gliding, going underwater, an item that consists of every item in the game, tracks where there's only one lap broken into three sections, those are all pretty sizable differences from Mario Kart Wii. And what does Mario Kart 8 do? Just does all that again, but in HD! Okay, the anti-gravity is a cool mechanic that also irrevocably changes the series' track design. It's a worthy step forward, even if, in practice, the anti-gravity doesn't really feel like you're defying gravity due to the camera focusing on you normally. And it's the game's only real step forward. It also had the misfortune of being asked to save the Wii U, This was 2014, when the dumpster wasn't quite on fire yet, but there were some smolders. People were already jumping ship, while loyalists were hoping that Mario Kart 8 would be the magic answer. It'll turn everything around, the planets would align, and... Oh look, they made Mario Kart 8 on the Switch. Hooray, Mario Kart is saved. They really tried, too. They had a deal where if you bought a Wii U with this game bundled in, you'd get a download code for one of four other Nintendo games for free. Please buy our console. Look, we'll even give you an extra game. I beg of you. I already had a Wii U, Deluxe even, but somehow I seem to remember getting my hands on a code to download one of those games. I got Wii U Party, and I've never played it. So today's topic, Mario Kart 8 and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Well, to truly understand and discuss Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, you gotta know what's in Mario Kart 8. And what's in Mario Kart 8 is 95% of what's in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. If you played Mario Kart 7, imagine that, but in HD, 
upside down, and Waluigi is there. It's not really that cut and dry, but that's what it felt like to me. But credit where it's due, this is undoubtedly the nicest looking Mario Kart game. They're not 2D sprites, or shiny toys, or low-poly participation awards. These characters actually look great. It ended up announcing every character systematically in the months leading up to the release, but the character reveals came in waves. The very first trailer showed off all the mainstays that there were, including Waluigi and Toadette. I really like that Waluigi is visible so early on. As if Nintendo themselves were like, Yes, we get it! We put him back! Are you happy now? So those two characters, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy, Bowser, Donkey Kong, Toad, Koopa Troopa, Yoshi, they're in. Also, when I rewatched this trailer for the sake of the podcast, I saw a comment saying something like, Watch all the Wii U's fly off the shelves once this game hits. Oops! So all those characters are well and good, but they're to be expected. Well, maybe not entirely, since Mario Kart 7 betrayed that trust, but okay, who's next? Babies! Mario sports games, especially the carts, have a tendency to let people play as baby versions of characters, usually to pad out the lightweight portion of the roster. All four of the Mario Kart Wii babies came back, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy. Usually people are of two minds with the babies. Either they're really cute, or they're a complete waste of a character. My biggest problem at the time was with Baby Daisy, who literally didn't exist until Mario Kart Wii. Baby Peach and the Baby Brothers at least have some games under their belts, but, I mean, Toadette was introduced for Mario Kart Double Dash, so it's not like they haven't done this before. All that said, I'd probably have just kept Baby Mario and Luigi, since they're pretty notable among the babies. This is also the same wave that revealed Rosalina as a racer, but by this point she'd been in two Mario Karts in a row, Super Mario 3D World, and, most memorably, on the same day even, she was revealed for Smash Bros. 4. I'd be more surprised if Rosalina didn't show up with all that under her belt. I've already used the belt phrase twice now. After that, we get a dedicated trailer to seven new characters all at once. The Koopalings. This was in the middle of the phase when Nintendo was whipping them out at every opportunity. People were starting to get a little tired of them. I have to admit, it was nice seeing them get their chance to be in Mario Kart, just as long as they don't become regulars. Nothing against the Koopalings personally, because I have a bit of a history with them, it's just that they take up so much of the roster. There's seven of these suckers in a roster of, so far, 23 racers. That would be... A fraction consisting entirely of prime numbers, but still, way too many of them. And we have to be careful, this is the same series that thought a giant bee would be a suitable replacement for Diddy Kong. Oh, and before we move on, I guess I should mention my history with the Koopalings, because I forgot to mention that later in the script here. It's that I spent a lot of my earlier internet years on Lemmy's Land, a Mario fan site, and one of our pastimes was to imagine if the Koopalings were more regular characters in the various Mario games, including the spin-offs. And one complaint I always had with that was, well, there's seven of them, that would take up a lot of real estate in the roster, but just imagine a preteen saying that and using preteen words instead. And now look what happened. It finally came true, and look at that, they took up a lot of real estate on the roster. So I bet my child self would be laughing. After that, we get a reveal of Lakitu, Shy Guy, and Metal Mario, all returning from Mario Kart 7. Uh, Shy Guy technically 
debuted before that, but Seven was his first proper appearance. The first two of these characters were well-received, but people took issue with Metal Mario. I understand, but Metal Mario has a history of showing up independently of regular Mario, most famously Smash Bros. 64, so I didn't mind too much. And it's not like they did it again, right? 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 Say hello to Pink Gold Peach and Baby Rosalina, the final two characters of the base game. I don't think anybody had anything good to say about these characters. Baby Rosalina contradicts Rosalina's backstory from Mario Galaxy, and people are worried that Nintendo will brush that story under the rug in favor of this. Pink Gold Peach is, uh, where to begin? So, it's like Metal Mario, but Peach. And gold. But not just any gold, pink gold. Because heaven forbid Peach wear any other color in a AAA Nintendo game. No, 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 no. The world won't be ready for that until Mario Odyssey. Even my dad, who's become more detached from video games as time goes on, he balked at the idea of pink gold Peach. But if I'm being honest, I have this ironic attachment to her. Introducing her as a character was such a power move, I couldn't help but respect it a little just for how dumb it was. Like, yep. This is our character in our big, fancy, new Mario Kart game. Deal with it. Because they're cowboys, obviously. So there's our roster. And while it brings back a lot of beloved faces, it also brings back some lesser faces, too. Every new character also has a bit of displeasure associated with them. But wait! This is Mario Kart's first foray into DLC! And as luck would have it, they would introduce six new racers, or should I say, five new racers and one more veteran. In the first DLC, they gave us Tanuki Mario, Cat Peach, and Link from Legend of Zelda. From the second DLC, they would give us an Animal Crossing protagonist, Isabelle, also from Animal Crossing, and Dry Bowser, the version of Bowser that is a skeleton that they occasionally throw in as a bonus boss. Name a more iconic trio, I dare you. Every one of these racers was either a remix of a pre-existing Mario character, or someone from a different series entirely. And that raised a few eyebrows, though I do think flirting with other series is a good idea for Mario Kart. I don't need them to do it in every game, though. Come on, give us Tanuki Mario and Isabelle, but we still don't have Diddy Kong? So there is our roster. And while it has some questionable decisions, I have to applaud their boldness in some places. But wait again. This is the Nintendo Switch's time to shine. With the advent of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, they added even more new racers to the game. Returning from Mario Kart Wii, say hello to King Boo, Dry Bones, and Bowser Jr. Alright, respectable choices. Glad to see them again, even if this does add more Koopas to the roster and none of them are really new characters. They also added the Inklings from Splatoon, because let's keep advertising our other first company darlings. I mean, they fit surprisingly well, but I just can't help but feel like they're just advertisements. That kind of bugs me a bit. And not to say that the other Nintendo characters aren't, because, oh, a big surprise, Animal Crossing and Legend of Zelda? Ooh. Come on, let Samus get in on this action, I dare you. The Inkling Boy and Inkling Girl are individual characters, unlike the Villager from the Wii U version. Except now in the Switch version, the boy and girl villager are also distinct. 
If you win and excel in every cup at the highest difficulty, Metal Mario gains Gold Mario as a new default costume. And as of a free update, they gave Link the option to wear his champion tunic from Breath of the Wild, along with a bike from that game. Because hey, as long as Link's foot is in the door, might as well shill Breath of the Wild a bit more. I'm sure that hyper Breath of the Wild fan who was still on the fence about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is gonna change their tune now. In June of 2018, a whole 15 months after Breath of the Wild and 14 months after this game, So there is our roster, for real. The additions via DLC and Deluxe really help to round the roster out a little bit more, though they're still guilty of some real oddballs. Still no Diddy Kong, I see. But okay, fine. That's enough of the characters. Surely there's something for everyone at this point. We can all find our main in the sea of Koopas, Peaches, Marios, and guest stars. What else is there to talk about? One angle they were pushing with this game was Mario Kart TV, and I never really messed with it. I just wanted to play Mario Kart. But what it was, was a way to share footage of your races over Wi-Fi. In addition, each Grand Prix track would be followed up with an instant replay, and one of those instant replays took the place of the award ceremony at the end of a cup. I wish they could have had both, but it still reinforces the idea I also like how this game tried to make Mario Kart feel like a major in-universe event. People could have been watching these races on their TVs, their devices, streaming services. I like what Mario Kart TV represented for the game, even if I didn't engage with it. It was a little annoying at first how Mario Kart TV's uh, replay viewer was the default option whenever you cleared a track in Grand Prix mode, but they eventually patched that. What would Mario Kart be without items? A lot more skill-based. You get all your favorite toys to play with. The shells, the bananas, the mushrooms, the star, the bomb, blooper, bullet bill, lightning. And the Crazy 8, which is a sequel to Mario Kart 7's Lucky 7. An item that would give you one of everything and let you go hog wild. They add the boomerang flower, which is just okay. The piranha plant, which can bite other racers and bump you forward a bit before the plant ran off to begin its illustrious Smash Brothers career, and the Megahorn, which cancels any incoming projectiles, including the blue shell. So I was pretty happy with these items. They bothered me a lot less than in Mario Kart Wii. I know a lot of people like to point to the lightning cloud as the worst Mario Kart Wii item, but I was always more bothered by the POW block. Well, both of them are gone, so that's good. And as of Deluxe, we get a Boo that can steal other items, and a Feather that lets you jump, but that one's only in battle mode. Hooray. We don't get any fake item boxes anymore. It took me a while to notice that, actually. I guess they were less valuable as time went on, because they started to become more obviously fake, which defeats the purpose. Overall, I'm okay with these items, and I remember the distribution being fair, but there's just not much to say about it. I did smile every time I warded off a blue shell with a horn because I never expected to actually get into the situation to pull that off, but here we are. The racetracks all range from great to passable. They're so crammed full of details that it helps make the Mario world feel more alive in a way that you don't really get outside of the earlier Mario RPGs. And there are in-universe ads for Mario Kart and the different characters. It really helps to flesh out the whole this-is-a-broadcast angle. 
not going to go over every track, because, like I said, some of them are just passable. But favorites include Mario Kart Stadium. While I've never had trouble remembering the first track of a given Mario Kart, I'd say this is still the most memorable of them all. Instead of being some cheesy racetrack in the green countryside and naming itself after either a generic concept or Luigi, this one is a packed stadium at night. Not the first stadium track in the series, but the first time I can remember the game opening with a stadium track and the name Mario Kart Stadium. This isn't one character randomly financing or being sponsored by a track. This is a stadium dedicated to the whole sport. Really sets the stage for that whole, this is a televised sport thing that I keep talking about. Very strong start to the whole Grand Prix. Shy Guy Falls, there's this one part where you literally drive up a waterfall, it's pure adrenaline, and the fast-paced mountain music really accentuates the track. All the best Mario Kart stages have frenetic music, but this one really evokes the imagery of a wild mountainside, and if you're near the Shy Guy miners, their little (laughs) grunts are incorporated into the song, it's really cute. The Electrodrome. This track is aesthetically different from almost anything else in the series, and it's helped by the music somewhat changing as you go along the different pieces of the track. Kind of like a modernized music park from Mario Kart 7. I associate this track mostly with the trailer that introduced the Koopalings, because this was where their grand debut took place. And Mount Wario, another map where it's a single lap divided into three parts. We haven't had any of those so far in this game, but it's a feature that comes back from 7, just like a lot of other features. Somehow it seems fitting that Wario would be the one to spring for the single lap race course. Hey, what's not to love here? You start in a jumbo jet, you race down this alpine mountain all the way to the bottom until one of you crosses that finish line first. Well, technically it goes until 11 of you cross the finish line, but hey. And I gotta give a shout-out to the dynamic music here, changing based on what part of the track you're on. And, uh, that's about it. All the other new courses are just pretty neat. Then there's the retro courses. In the past, they'd bring old courses back and remake them in the style of the current Mario Kart, but preserved as faithfully as possible. Not anymore! These courses got major glow-ups! Prettier scenery on par with the rest of the game, underwater airborne and anti-gravity sections thrown into the mix, updated music. Some of these tracks are almost unrecognizable after their facelift. A few favorites include... Royal Raceway from Mario Kart 64. This track had a pink sky in the old version because, as we mentioned before, Peach always has to have pink. It's the law. Now it's a regular daytime stage, but there are cherry blossom trees all over the place. It's a neat detail to mix up the aesthetic of the course while still being faithful to the core design intent, but you can no longer drive up to Peach's Castle. I'm sure some kid online would have done it by mistake and thrown a fit if it cost them the race, but it was a fun easter egg. DK Jungle from Mario Kart 7. Really just surprised that they retained the track that Retro helped them design for Mario Kart 7. To be honest, I'm still a little confused why they needed Retro Games help for one track. Grumble Volcano from Mario Kart Wii. This is always one of my favorites, and I don't think it was changed in any spectacular way, but I'm still not over the intensity of racing through a volcano mid-eruption. And Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 64. I gotta talk about this one. If you ever thought the new Rainbow Road was underwhelming, it's probably because they put all their eggs in this rainbow-colored basket instead. 
They really went all out to make this the most dazzling rainbow road this side of the one introduced in 7. It's so stunning that they used it as the backdrop for the Switch games box art, which is honestly the superior box art in every way. This rainbow road was notorious for being the longest track in the whole series, so here they rectify that by making it only a single lap, but cut into three. I think that makes it a bit too short, maybe two laps would have been fine, but okay. Then along came the DLC tracks. 16 new courses, 4 new cups, and some favorites here are Excite Bike Arena. It's not actually favorite or really fun, but I wanted to mention it because I thought it was really cool that they paid homage to Excite Bike. Dragon Driftway. It's just got this really funky beat. Too bad we don't have Funky Kong here to race on it. But it's this cool Chinese aesthetic course where you're doing a lot of drifting. Surprise! And this one major set piece looks a lot like Gobblegut from Mario Galaxy 2. Mute City! Yeah, not just Excite Bike, they paid homage to F-Zero. This track is 100% anti-gravity mode. There are sections of the track that add to your coin count without littering the course with coins. The music is a jazzy cover of Mute City's theme, and... There's no sign of Captain Falcon anywhere. Except for the literal sign of Captain Falcon in the background that says, Show me your moves. It's cute, but if Nintendo's not going to make more F-Zero, they could at least let Douglas race with Mario. They already have his car here. But uh, people have been saying that for ages. Hyrule Circuit. I love Legend of Zelda, so of course I'd pay attention to the Zelda track. And it's not just racing through Hyrule and calling it a day. They put in a little extra work here and there. Rupees replace the coins. Deku Babas and Keys replace the Piranha Plants and Swoopers. There's a mini puzzle to unlock a shortcut if you can solve it. The only real weird spot is that we still have Toads and Koopas cheering from the sidelines, but there are some Spirit Tracks era Royal Guards somewhere. I saw them, but they were kind of easy to miss. Cheeseland from Mario Kart Super Circuit. Honestly, the only thing I really like about this track is its name, Cheeseland. I remember joking constantly that they should bring this course back or make a sequel to it, and then Nintendo called my bluff at long last. It's fine, but really I'm just here for the fact that it's called Cheeseland. Wild Woods. This one feels like going on a brisk jungle adventure. It's been compared to Frontier Village and Xenoblade, and I have to agree. I especially like how the start and finish line is in anti-gravity, with everyone facing up a giant tree trunk. Super Bell Subway. The upper half sounds like some kind of old-school sitcom opening theme, while the bottom half incorporates uh, classic underground music. At one point, there's a sign that you can briefly see as you drive past it. It's a rail map that shows how Super Bell Subway connects to most of the other race courses. There's no rhyme or reason to why they're located where they are, but now we can rest easy knowing that Rainbow Road, one of the Rainbow Roads, is the last stop before Cheeseland. Big Blue. That's right, they added not one, but two F-Zero tracks. This one isn't entirely anti-gravity, but it still has that octane feel. I like that we're going down basically the world's most extreme water slide here. And again, with the jazzy covers of F-Zero music. I have to believe they only added Big Blue because Smash Brothers Melee made this the second most recognized F-Zero location. At least Mute City has the excuse of being F-Zero's starter stage. And this follows the Mount Wario mold of being a three-part rush from top to bottom. And it's at this point I wonder why none of the three-piece racetracks ever really go upward. 
And those are the tracks. Pretty solid showing all around, no major complaints. At worst, some track ideas just don't wow me too much. And that leaves us with Battle Mode. I was never too big on Battle Mode. I know it's some people's entire reason for playing. It just wasn't my thing, though. And in the Wii U game, it wasn't the developer's thing, either. They hardly advertised Battle Mode, and it was revealed that they just took a few tracks from the main game, completely unaltered, made them into battle courses. Just, here, this entire circuit, now you're battling on it. Have fun. Nobody liked that. I think it might have been a neat idea if they did that exactly once. Take one track from the game and do that. Don't do that for all of them, but... Either way, they learned their lesson in the Switch version. Eight battle courses, three returning, four new, one from Splatoon. Most everybody liked that. They even added more playstyles of battle mode. Before it was just balloons. Now they brought back the Shine Thief mode, Bob-omb Blast, Coin Runner. They also have a new one called Renegade Roundup. It's a prana plant-based cops and robbers. I tried a bit more of the improved battle mode, not a whole lot, but what I experienced was fine. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do more of it by myself, but... So if I wanted to come back to it, I'd probably have to rely on Wi-Fi, but, uh, hey! If you are one of the population of Skip Mario Kart 8 and really like battle mode, have I got a game for you! And... Here is where we get to my dilemma with Mario Kart 8. I bought Mario Kart 8 for the Wii U, and even all the DLC... At full price, mind you. Two years after the DLC, Nintendo announces a special edition for Switch, complete with brand new characters and modes. No new tracks, but still a little bit of new content, if you like battle mode. And they had zero intention of patching any of it into the Wii U game. So for three years I kept wrestling with the idea of whether or not it'd be worthwhile to get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Felt like I was missing out even though I knew I really wasn't. I finally caved and I bought it and it was exactly what I expected it to be. Exactly what they said it was. No surprises whatsoever. And it was still sold at full price. A game that I paid full price for in 2014 for Wii U is being sold on Switch at the same price three years after its release, and it's carried entirely by Battle Mode, which I hardly play. The worst part is, I knew! I knew this wasn't a good value, but I did it anyway! I gave them my money, or I gave Best Buy my money, since it was physical, I don't really know how this might work out in a business sense, but I I was never a huge Mario Kart 8 fan. At least with Mario 3D All-Stars, I have the excuse of three entirely different games, they're classics, and now I can theoretically play Mario Galaxy wherever I want. That game's pricing was still outrageous, but this one... People have complained about Nintendo's staunch refusal to lower their prices for years, to the point where I just kind of shrug and accept that new games are always going to be $60. It doesn't have to be this way. Between that and their recent string of abysmal PR in late 2020, and this just really paints Nintendo in an unflattering light, sitting high on their ivory tower amassing a fortune from their Nintendo Switches, Very different picture from the please-buy-my-Mario-Kart-8-game-you-guys people from a few years prior. I just... uh, I had this hole in me that wouldn't go away until I got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and 
I think that might be my fault. I'm not sure, but I need to think long and hard before I buy another game like that. I just, I tried to justify it by selling my old copy of Mario Kart 8 at one point beforehand when I needed extra money, and it didn't really make me feel any better, to be honest. Just, (sighs) that's all I have to say about Mario Kart 8. A lot more than I thought I would. I'll see you all on the next one. Thank you for listening. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.